I'll never forget the words that one of my pastors growing up used at every baptism he officiated. He said, you are a warm and wonderful child of God. A warm and wonderful child of God. Mind you, he said this to everyone he baptized, whether they were 6, 16, 60, every age, it was fine. It was a wonderful reminder that we are all full of life and wonders as children of God. Yes, even on those mornings where you just can't get out of bed, where the skies have opened up and the rain seemingly falls without end. You are a warm and wonderful child of God. Of course, all of creation could be considered in some lights a child of God, in the same way that we often refer to our artwork, our compositions, sometimes sermons, is our baby. You know, this is the thing that we're working on. But when you hear that you are a warm and wonderful child of God, you should know that it means something beyond just being a part of creation generally. The Apostle Paul, throughout his letters to various churches, made an important point again and again. Through Jesus, you have been adopted by God. In today's text from Romans 8, Paul reminds us, all who are led by God's Spirit are God's sons and daughters. We are God's heirs and fellow heirs with Christ. Now, generally, when we think of being heirs to something, it's about something that'll take place down the road, right? Sure, you're the heir to the Buckingham estate. That and a $5 bill gets you a cup of coffee. What's so special about being an heir of God when God is eternal? What does that even mean? What does this mean to us? In the ancient world, you see, heirs worked a little differently than it does today. And that's what Paul is, of course, referencing being an ancient himself. The heir to a noble Roman family was supposed to be highly active in managing the holdings. They weren't supposed to sit on their duff all day, but actually go out and see what the family did. They were supposed to be also active in public service. Roman noble families competed with each other to see who could give the most to the city and to the nation of Rome eventually. Even from an early age, they were instructed to do this. Paul is telling us all then that we too are expected to be active in building God's kingdom. It's not an easy task. Paul writes, we know that the whole creation is groaning together and suffering labor pains, and it's not only the creation. We ourselves who have the spirit also groan inside as we wait to be adopted and for our bodies to be set free. As children of God, we are not separate from creation. Indeed, we share in its travails. But as heirs of God, we share also in the work of sharing hope with the world. Hope in what can be. Hope in what God is already bringing about. You are a warm and wonderful, hearty and hopeful child of God. That's not to say that we get it right all the time. Even Jesus' own disciples, there with Jesus, got it wrong and found themselves confused at best. The Gospel of Mark tells us of a time when the disciples started trying to block families bringing their children to Jesus for a blessing, probably thinking that Jesus had more important things to do. After all, he is this rabbi, this Messiah, they would eventually claim. Surely he's got more important things to do than bless children every step of the way. Yet, 
We echo Jesus' rebuke in this church every Sunday morning. Let the children come to me. Don't hinder them. God's kingdom belongs to people like these children. Or as we sing, let the children come to me and do not stop them. For it's to such as these that God's kingdom belongs. It's actually the words from Luke versus Mark, the same story. But it still works. We still get the idea. What is Mark saying, though, with this particular phrasing? People like these children are heirs of God's kingdom? What's different, special, hopeful about these children? And more to the point, how are we supposed to be more like them? First, what children are not. I could have inserted a, you know, one of those sugar and spice and everything nice jokes, but we're, we're not going there yet. Despite rosy nostalgia glasses, anyone who has spent more than a few minutes with children knows that children as a general group are not pure, innocent beings. Indeed, a father of two once remarked playfully, I hope, After my children were born, I can understand better how the idea of total depravity arose. To be heirs of God, then, we do not need to be perfect, innocent, or pure, thank goodness. As an aside, this doesn't mean you shouldn't strive for those goals, just that it's okay not to reach them all the time. We have a God who abounds in grace and forgiveness. But children are dependent Children, especially young children, look to their parental figures for all of their needs. Crucially, as best we can see, they do not have a sense of earning their keep. Everything is received as a gift. As hearty and hopeful children of God, we too should recognize that we are dependent on the gifts of God, which God freely gives us. We cannot earn salvation. We cannot earn forgiveness. We cannot earn love from God or anyone else. These spiritual gifts are given in God's good grace. Children have another quality worth lifting up. Spontaneous impulse. (laughs) The ability to act at once on what they understand. Throughout Jesus' ministry, we see him welcoming spontaneous expressions of faith. Peter's confession of faith and subsequent walking on the water. The woman with the alabaster jar of expensive oil. All the parables about selling everything to obtain the kingdom, and so on. This is part and parcel with the way that children tend to trust others quickly and forgive quickly without carrying long-term grudges. Quickly may be a matter of debate, but more so often than adults do. Sometimes our spontaneous impulses go awry, and why wouldn't they? Those bike jumps are awfully tempting. But as long as we're able to trust each other, to hold each other in love, we can quickly overcome those moments of separation and repair the relationships. And that's what it means to be living in the kingdom of God, to be working to repair, to bring hope, to help others understand themselves as God's children and heirs in the world. You see, if we truly are adopted as God's heirs, there's one final point that needs to be mentioned about adoption in the ancient world. 
In addition to changing your name and family line, and thus having a new set of guardians, parents, as it was uh, all thought of, there was one other piece to ancient Roman adoption, a financial component. Because you were now under a new name, the ancient Romans believed that all of your previous debts were wiped clean, that you were completely new, a restart in this new family. And so you see sometimes adults adopting other adults. It was a normal thing because of this debt-erasing procedure. As an adopted heir of God through Jesus, your debts are wiped clean. And unlike in human adoption, God adopts you again and again through your life. God is, in some respects, the ultimate free-range parent, celebrating your return no matter how frequently you lose your way. Jesus calls us all to follow in God's way, not to hinder each other, not to put up obstacles in the path, but to follow in God's way. And so, my friends, my family, my brothers and sisters, all who are gathered here and all who hear these words, you are a warm and wonderful child of God, called to rest in God's gifts of joy and love. You are an heir to God's kingdom, called to act spontaneously to build it up. You are a hearty and hopeful child of God, called to tell others of God's plans to redeem all of creation. Amen.